Star Wars 7x7, episode 434. Today we conclude our look at Star Wars Aftermath and the beginning of our look as fans at the post-return of the Jedi Star Wars galaxy. Punch it, Chewie. No traps, no moisture, no committees. Just rebel-rousing fun for everyday Jedis. It's the Star Wars 7x7 podcast with your host, Alan Voivod. Destiny Unleashed. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and I should kick off by saying that there was a rumor going around that today would be the day that we got a new trailer, that we got what would essentially be our final trailer for The Force Awakens. It's exciting to think about because we get new visuals, new music, new hopefully. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of good things could happen in that, except that I don't think it's going to happen today. Um <laughs> You know, last week we had Force Friday, and just yesterday we had the release of Star Wars Uprising, which is another uh, piece in the puzzle about what happens after Return of the Jedi, and sets up the whole uh, sets up the whole galaxy and how things unfold prior to the Force Awakens. And I can't imagine that the Lucasfilm people are going to, you know, for all intents and purposes, steal the thunder away from Star Wars Uprising. It, they had its, uh, you know, its moment in the sun yesterday, and I think they need to give it a few days to let the uh, the PR and all the interest run its course before they go on to the next thing. So I have a feeling we're not actually going to see that uh, trailer that they've been rumoring today. I think we're going to have to wait just a little while longer for it, so sorry, keep your fingers crossed. Uh, it's going to come soon, I'm sure it is. Is, but I don't think today is the day, unfortunately. But I would certainly like to be proven wrong. <laughs> I'll go on the record and make that official. Let's talk about Star Wars Aftermath, shall we? And if you are not planning on reading the book, then hey, you know what? You're a lot like a bunch of other Star Wars fans, because not everybody wants to go past the movies, and that's okay. But you might be curious to know a couple of things, and so those things I will share with you. One of the things we find out on the good guy side of the equation is that the New Republic, which is what we had been referring to it as in the old expanded universe, is in fact the New Republic in the new expanded universe. I don't know that they're really calling it the expanded universe anymore because it's all canon. So maybe they look at the expanded universe, that phrase, as something that indicates what you know the old one used to be that they no longer call canon and they, they now call legends and all this stuff so maybe they just want to avoid that phrase entirely but it's kind of useful to use but <laughs> i digress uh they've now established on chandrila if that's how you pronounce it which is mon mothma's home planet the home of the new galactic senate so coruscant is still in the hands of the empire and we find out through one of the um, one of the interludes that they've got an actor portraying Palpatine on Coruscant trying to persuade people that Palpatine's not dead, which of course, you know, is a ruse and all that, and doesn't sound like we've got clones or anything like that. We've basically got um, body doubles is what they've referred to it as. So um, nothing so nothing so crude or crazy or or throwbacky as the whole clone situation. Maybe they're trying to avoid the uh, the continued renegade cloning of the Emperor um, by himself to perpetuate his threat throughout the old expanded universe. We also get some familiar faces on the Rebel side, too. Now the New Republic side of things, including Admiral Akbar and Mon Mothma, 
and Wedge Antilles, of course, and a brief appearance by General Medine. <laughs> On the Imperial side, however, the only familiar face we have is Ray Sloan, and that is the same Ray Sloan that you may remember from the John Jackson Miller novel, A New Dawn, which was the very first of these new canon novels. And she was made into a captain there, and she has been around for a while and is still operating and is now an admiral in the Imperial fleet, or what's left of it. And she's our only real familiar Imperial character here in this in this novel. And it turns out that she's actually working for somebody else. There is a fleet admiral who is on a superstar destroyer that's running around, but they are keeping the identity of the fleet admiral a secret. Um, you know, I gotta say, there was a moment where I thought, hmm, are they really actually going to resurrect Grand Admiral Thrawn from the uh, first of the Expanded Universe novels with Tim Zahn? <laughs> uh, you know, Dark Force Rising and uh, The Last Command and uh, Heir to the Empire. Uh, not in that order, of course. But there was something about the way that that final epilogue was written where Ray Sloan comes back and talks to the Fleet Admiral about what she just went through that made me think... Wouldn't that be interesting if it's Thrawn? But uh, we have no confirmation of that and and won't know for a while, I imagine. Now, I've probably gotten close enough to spoiler territory without necessarily crossing the line, but I will cross it in the next couple of seconds here. And then if you want to jump ahead to about 6 minutes and 45 seconds into the podcast and get your trivia question, then you can do that or you can stick with me. But the gist of the novel is that these high-ranking Imperials are getting together to try and have some sort of conference about what's next once the Death Star has been blown up. And they don't get very far with that at all. But I think the thing that was more compelling to me, I mean, not that that wasn't compelling, but what was really kind of intriguing was this little woven subplot in about uh, Sinjir and Jazz, two of the characters in there. Sinjir, a former Imperial loyalty officer, and Jazz, a bounty hunter. Both of them were on Endor at the time of the Battle of Endor, which I thought was really intriguing and kind of expanded the whole Star Wars universe there for me in a moment. Jazz being there to actually try to collect a bounty on Princess Leia, of all things, and Sinjir working with the Empire but getting freaked out by the battle and ended up... Uh, taking on the identity of a dead rebel so that he could escape from Endor and get away from everything. That kind of stuff, and like, and they actually met and saw each other briefly on Endor. And that kind of thing makes the universe both smaller and larger in a really cool way for me, and I thought that was really neat. And I would love to hear, if you've read the novel, what you think about it. Chime into the blog post of this show's episode at sw7x7.com. <laughs> All right, here's your trivia question. Your feeble skills are no match for the power of the dark side. Last time we asked you what part of C-3PO's dismembered body did Chewbacca start attaching first in Cloud City, and that was his head. Today's question, what actor played Wedge Antilles? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you challenge a Jedi holding the high ground, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if the show's been worth your time, please support us at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not a triple amputation, it's destiny unleashed. 
This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, and all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2015 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.